0: I love the new year. Big fan of it. Uh, Probably not like top five holiday levels because it's really just like, I don't know, the celebration of time moving on. It feels like we're just celebrating, like we might as well celebrate May 18th. Like it's just, time continues. Uh, But I love it for one very specific reason, and uh, it's a m- kind of a mental hangup of mine, I think, uh, a hurdle that I probably should get past. When I start something new, uh, when I start a habit, when I wanna start reading a book, start a new diet, anything like that, or even break an old habit, uh, anything like that, it has to start on a Sunday or a Monday because that is the beginning of the week. That's, that is my brain, that's how it works. Uh, I have to start at the start. I can't can't just, if somebody said, well, why don't you start dieting now, and it was like Thursday at 2 p.m., it's like, you're insane, what are you, a psychopath? Of course not, it has to start Monday or Sunday. I can be pushed to start Wednesday because that's the middle of the week, and that also makes sense, but it also has to start in the morning because that's the start of the day, it has to. Uh, And so whenever somebody's like, oh, why don't you start your diet now, and I'm like, oh, diet starts tomorrow, I might be serious if you're talking to me on a Saturday, because it could start tomorrow uh, and then inevitably Tuesday rolls around and I forget and I have 16 donuts and it's like, oh, whatever, we'll figure it out. I also enjoy starting things on the first of the month because, again, that's the start of something new, right? So first of the month, 15th of the month, that works. I can do the 15th, start in the middle, right? Uh, God forbid, and I mean that in the truest sense of the words, God forbid The 1st or the 15th is on a Sunday, Monday, or Wednesday because ADHD brain gets rolling and is like, dude, what are you starting? It's a big day. Monday the 1st. Let's go. (laughs) We have books to read, diets to start. We're going to be an expert woodworker by the end of March. Like, let's go. Uh, And then inevitably, March 2nd rolls around and nothing. Uh, And so I love the new year because in... Like the increments of time that we actually look at, uh, the year is probably the biggest thing. Like we, you know, we have decades and centuries. We don't really worry about those. Uh, we were more worried just about like the start of the year. And so for me, this is a big like. I am rare to go. I am so excited. I am gonna set 50 resolutions and accomplish zero again. Like none. I don't. I've. i do not think I've ever actually accomplished anything uh when it comes to resolutions it just happens uh so you know 2022 just like every year it's gonna be my year for like the first couple weeks it's gonna be great and uh we'll see what happens but i used to uh this is gonna sound like a weird transition stick with me i used to work at a gym i worked at a gym in knoxville tennessee uh called the rush and then i worked at the drc here in town and i happened to work both those gyms over the new year and let me tell you Working at a gym in January is the pits because you are so busy. There are so many people. Again, they don't they don't adhere to the motif of start on a Sunday, Monday, or Wednesday because you'll go at like Thursday at 10 a.m. and it'll just be packed to the rafters with people. But inevitably, by February, you start to see those numbers decline. By March, it's way down. And by April, you're looking at like normal year numbers. And so as a gym employee, and as like a former gym regular, uh, it was kind of fun to go in and go, hmm, who's going to make it this year? Right? Who's going to be the one out of this? Who's, who's going to do it? Who's going to see the finish line? Uh, and so you just kind of wait and see. But as a pastor and as a chronic resolutioner, I also get a little sad, because I know that when you set one resolution, you're probably setting more than one, and usually those resolutions are, man, I want to read my Bible this year. I'm going to pray way more this year. I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better spouse, parent. I just want to be a better person this year. And just like gym memberships, the Bible will start collecting dust around April, and by January 2023, you're going to have to dust it off and find it. And so inevitably, it kind of makes me sad, but I think I figured it out, at least for me, and I think this is true for all of us, because I truly believe that this is how God made human beings. So when we approach resolutions or change or anything like that, we set it up as a to-do list. I want to be healthy, I want to lose weight this year, so I'm going to uh, eat right, go to the gym, and watch less Hardy's commercials. I don't really know, but those, those are probably the two main things, and then something else. But you want to do those things, and you go every day, check, check, and check, and you try to follow through with that checklist, but inevitably something will happen where you miss a day. Whether you just forget because you got to work and somebody bought donuts and you're like hot dog, this is great, uh, or you just you're too tired and you don't go to the gym, or anything, anything can happen and you miss a day, and suddenly your to-do list grows, and then you don't want to check those boxes because that's extra work, and so then you go well I'll start next week, and then by Sunday or Monday, or by whatever time you want to start, your list is too long and you just go off. Oh. This is too hard. This is out. I'm out. And so we shrink, and we feel like we've failed, and we just kind of give up on the to-do list of things. And see, i that's problematic for me because I don't think that's how God made us. I think God made us to be what I would call principle list or virtue list people. Uh, I actually talked about this at a communion meditation a couple months ago, and so that's how long this has been rattling around in my head. Uh, God made us to seek out virtues and principles because we come into relationship with Christ, and relationships aren't to-do lists. I can't go into any relationship with a list of to-dos and think I have successfully accomplished a relationship. I can't go to my wife and go, okay, well, I kissed her, I told her I loved her, and I did the dishes like she asked, why is she still mad? That would not work at all, because relationships aren't a checklist. It's not a to-do list. They're they're a list of virtues that we have to seek out. We have to seek out compassion and, and love and all these sorts of things. And that's exactly how faith works. We can't set up our resolutions as a to-do list and go, well, I, I need to read my Bible, I need to pray, uh, and I need to go to church in small group and check, 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 check for the day, and I've accomplished Christianity. That's it, I'm done. Because this is a relationship. It's ongoing, it's continual. It, it, it needs more than just a couple boxes checked, marked, check marked and moving on. And so, we need to figure out a way to set up our resolutions or our lives around, instead of to-do lists, around virtues. And the virtue behind I wanna read my Bible and pray more is really I just wanna be closer to Jesus. And so that's the thing we need to figure out how to pursue. We need to figure out what is this, uh, not the to-do list, but figure out the virtue list that helps us seek out the things that we're looking for. Because when we set up our faith as a to-do list, we become legalistic. We say, well, these are the four rules that I need to live by in order to, again, accomplish Christianity. And that's just what, like, the law was. (laughs) That's what the Old Testament's all about. Hey, I accomplished the law, and so I am a great uh, follower of God. But when Jesus came, he abolished that. He said, no, you need to be in relationship. You need to seek out different things, not a to-do list, but me. And so the question is, how do we flip the script on this. Because I think we're all, ultimately, we are all to-do list people, for a lot of reasons. I think, I don't know if that has changed or if that's how it's always been, but we seek out to-do lists way more often than anything. We even have jokes about it. Oh, that's just on my honey-do list. That's because she says, honey, do this, (laughs) dads. But we have that idea of like, as long as I have a list of things to do, then I'll be able to accomplish something. I want to succeed at this. And and we need to change that mindset. And so the question is, how do we change that mindset? And the answer is to find our motivation. What is motivating us towards change? What is motivating us towards Jesus? What is motivating us towards being a better person? And the answer is truly in the Word. Paul writes it, in 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3, this is the famous love chapter, but I think the first few verses say it great. In the ESV, it says this, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. That's why he says it right there. What, what's our motivation for change? Man, you can, you can change yourself into having uh, perfect generosity to the point of giving up your body. You can be perfect in prophecy. You can have faith that moves mountains. You can have all prowess. You could, getting out of the scripture, you could be the peak athlete. You, you could be the smartest person in the room. You could be, uh, the, from the outside looking in, the best spouse, the best parent. You can look like the best. But if you are doing any of these motivated outside of love, ultimately you have nothing. There's nothing there. So let me say that again. If you do anything outside of motivated, but anything outside motivated by love, not motivated by love, we have nothing. That is stark, right? That, that tears away a lot of accomplishments that were like, man, I thought I was just doing great. I thought I was crushing it. But when we're not motivated by love, Paul says, man, you got nothing. There's nothing there. But love as a motivator really changes the way our engines run. Because if I'm waking up in the morning and my motivation is, man, I want to be, I want to look good, I want to be on the cover of Men's Fitness by 2023. I'm going to seek that out. There's going to come a day where my son doesn't sleep and I wake up at 5 a.m. to go to the gym and I go, I am certainly going to wait till 2024 to be on the f- cover of Men's Fitness now because it's just hard. I don't want to do it. But when I'm motivated by love and I go, man, I want to be healthy. That's my virtue. That's the principle I'm seeking out. And I want to be healthy because I, I love my kids and I can play with them better when I'm more fit. <laughs> Uh, I want to seek out health because it's easier for me to share the gospel when I'm not winded coming up the stairs in the church building, right? When we seek out a virtue, it changes our mindset and it goes, man, I love my family, so I wanna do this. Man, I love the church, so I'm gonna do that. Love, when it's the motivator, changes everything about how we accomplish goals. I, I would argue, and I will say this flatly, Anything motivated by love is grossly easier to accomplish. It just flatly is. Anything motivated by love is easier to accomplish. And so when we set out not to do a to-do list of faith, or we set out to do not a to-do list of improvement, but we seek out instead to seek out a virtue or a principle or a list of virtues and principles, and we're motivated by love, the question is kind of, what next? right? That's that's all sounding good, but what happens next? And so I want to read the rest of the the verses we're going to be in today are all in Colossians 3, Uh, and this is a list of virtues that is all about new self, right? It's all about who we are now that we found Christ, now that we're in Christ, what does this look like? It's so important that there's this great quote by a commentator, and it says this, about the verses that follow, Uh, the virtue list that follows points to concrete ways believers can respond to God's grace of election. Election being just that we've accepted Christ and have been saved. Uh, Compared to other New Testament virtue lists that include virtues such as purity, joy, righteousness, faith, and knowledge, this list, and listen to this, this is, I think this is a great end of a sentence, Uh, this list is singularly focused on building and maintaining a community characterized by love. I love that. This list that follows is singularly focused on building community and love. And community can be so much more like when we think of community, we like, oh, okay, Derby, the church, but community is just relationships. My wife and I, we're a community. We're small, but we're a community. My family, we're a community. My small group, we're a community. My friend group, we're a community. And so this is, all about not just, this is all about how believers can look at uh, a community of people, whether it be you in a relationship with your family, your sisters, your brothers, your wife, your kids, your whatever, your friends, your small groups, and how you can build that up in love. And so this is what it says in Colossians 3, uh, 12 through 17. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. In whatever you do, in word and deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. That last verse is so important, I think. That last verse, uh, you know, do, in whatever you do, in word and deed, do everything for Christ and, be, and give thanks to God the Father through him. That is, that is worthy of the, the same. We say this on stage a lot. If there's one thing you remember from this morning, remember this. I think that this verse is worth that. If there's one thing you remember, in word and deed, do everything for Christ. Now this doesn't change our motor. This doesn't change our motivation towards achieving principles and virtues uh, or seeking those out. I think this qualifies it Magnificently. This this adds to it in great ways. Because when our motivation is love, I think things are easier, but when our motivation is the love that Christ has for us, or the love that we have for Christ, it, it becomes greater. It puts on puts a mantle on us that isn't self-seeking, world, uh, world-seeking. It's greater than us. It's bigger than us. It's Christ has died for me, a death that is. Unquestionably awful, torturous, even. And the love that he has for me in that motivates me to change, to betterment, to seek out things that are virtuous and good. And so we have this list here, and I want to kind of magnify into it. I want to look at it a little bit. Because how does this affect us in different ways? On an individual scale, I just want you to think about what it looks like when we seek out compassion, when we seek out humility or meekness, when we seek out uh, thankfulness and kindness, what would that look like in your individual life as you walk and talk to people, right? It, it, no, nobody goes, man, that guy's too kind. <laughs> Nobody's like, dang, she's way too humble, And if they do, that's probably not the kind of people we need to be talking to because there is joy in that. There is love that surpasses understanding when you can uh, embrace the love, the humility, the meekness, the compassion that only comes through following Christ and being motivated by the love that Christ has for you. And so on an individual level, what would it look like in your families? right? How How would your spouse interact with you if in situations where you're arguing about dishes or uh, money. And in your mind, instead of thinking like, I have a gotcha gotcha statement that's going to win this argument. Instead, you go, man, my virtue, the principle in my life, the thing I want to seek out is compassion. That's what I want to seek in my life. So in word and deed, in everything I do, how can I show my spouse compassion here? Or maybe you're like, you're hanging out with your kids and, you know, The room's messy. They're not listening. I have a two-year-old, and uh, that's like fighting a hurricane with a sword. And so it's uh, a lot of work. But what if, in every situation that I'm coming into with her, I think, you know what? I want to show her the joy that comes in knowing Christ. That's the virtue. I want the virtue that I hold near and dear to myself is joy. I want to show her joy. How do I do that? In word and deed. How do I do everything I can to point her towards joy, even when it's, hey, Emmy, clean up your room. Hey, Emmy, we gotta go to bed now. How do I point her towards a virtue that I hold near and dear to myself? Because I know that Christ died for me to put these virtues on my heart, right? Christ died so that we don't have to check off a list of laws and to-dos. He died for me so that I can seek out relationship effectively with not only him, but everyone around me. And it's the same for you. Think about your households, your friend groups, your small groups, your workplace. Imagine, what would your boss say if in all things you sought out humility? What would your coworkers think if in all things you sought out meekness? And bound that all up in love, the love you have for Christ. Now, uh, zooming out a little bit, we think about community. And again, community can be this church. It can be uh, Derby, Rose Hill, wherever you live, Uh, It can be, I'm going to keep going, your small group, your work, your community. What would that look like if we showed that as a group? Together, united, we said, we're going to seek out a mission. We're going to be singularly minded to seek something out, to to envision a virtue and, and pursue that for Christ. When I'm interacting with people, it'll change the way I perceive them. Have you ever been in this situation where you, like you go to Target and uh, you see like a sum sock in the shelves, you know, and you're like, "How's it going?" And uh, you' just like, you know, you're expecting, you know, living the dream because that's what people say. Uh, I say that, But they say so or they're like, "Good. But then they you say like, "Oh, how's it going?" And you get hit with like, well, my mom's in the hospital, and you're like, whoa, okay, we're just hitting the ground running with a uh, target guy, okay, and then they, they kind of dump on you all that they're feeling, and you're, as much as you want to, you want to think, huh, this, I want to talk to this person, but you're probably thinking, man, I just want to go home. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm getting cornered here. Or even like, uh, there's all these situations, you know, the, the, the waiter that lingers too long at the table, the, the person that uh, stops by your door to solicit or just talk, or, or your neighbor that you're checking your mail and you're like, please don't come out, please don't come out, please don't come out. When we're motivated by the love that Christ has for us, we also have to be motivated by the love that Christ has for them. Christ didn't die for me, and then I get to tell you all about it. Christ died for us collectively. And so when I'm interacting with a person, I'm like, man, this dude's annoying. Man, this, this person does not know how to read the room and get out when the getting's good. Instead, I'm motivated by the love that Christ has for me, and I go, man, Christ died for them. We are co-heirs in a, in a wonderful thing that we don't deserve. Christ died for me as much as he died for you. So, man, I need to show you the love and respect that Christ showed me. So when I'm cornered in a conversation I don't want to have, I start to think, man, how can I be, how can I be compassionate so that I can build community well in, in South Rock? And how can I seek out humility so that I can extend the name of Christ through this church? Man, I want to show, again, I'm going to go back, I want to show joy. How can I show that to my family so that when my family comes to church, they impact the church and they move it forward? Or, or they go to their schools, or they go to their workplaces, or they go to their families, and they spur that on as well. So when we seek out a virtue, and we and we are motivated by the love that Christ has for, for us and for each other, man, it, it motors us to something fantastic. It changes the way we live our lives. It changes our community. The last thing I want to kind of zoom out and see in this is the idea of like just the kingdom of God, because it's this. It's a very broad thing. kingdom of God extends through the whole world and, and things that we can't see, but includes people that don't believe, people that don't know Jesus. And so when we seek out virtues to people that don't know Christ, or maybe they know Christ and they've been burned by a church before, or maybe their parents were you know, a little too hardcore about it and it, and it hurt them, and they're, and they're not seeking that out anymore, when we as a church and we as individuals within the kingdom of God go to people that don't believe or don't go to church or just don't know, and we show them, man, this is the compassion that, that I'm seeking out that can only be given by God. This is the virtue, this is the principle and the mission that I live my life by, and I want to give it to you in big ways. Derby is a green bubble. I don't know if we've ever said that from stage, but it is. Uh, I've heard high school students say, oh, yeah, I'm from like a small town, uh, Derby. Uh, It's like, man, I graduated with 40 people in my high school class. Like, you were from a small town, my man. Like, this is, we are in this green bubble where we see ourselves as something small and quaint. But really, we have to blow that bubble up so we can extend it to the world. The kingdom of God doesn't end on North Rock Road. The kingdom of God doesn't end on your way out of Mulvane. We have to live out this virtue wherever we go to all people, people we disagree with, people that are violent or, or vir, vir, vitriolic. That's the word I'm looking for. Vitriolic towards what we believe. When we're getting yelled at or hammered or, or being told like, man, you are wrong for believing in Jesus. Even then we have to go, Man, Jesus put it on my heart to seek out a virtue, and that virtue is love for my neighbor. And so I'm not going to yell back. I'm going to just seek out, how can I love you better? How can I love you better even though you don't know what I know? And so I'm going to move into this. I want to well, talk about application. How can we apply this better to our lives? And, man, I wish there was a better way to apply this other than to tell you pick a virtue and, and seek it. <laughs> I wish there was something better. I really do. But it really is as simple as look at this list, read your Bible, and go, what is a virtue that I want to pursue this year? Do I want, to have a, do I want 2022 to be defined by my compassion for others? Do I want 2022 to be defined by uh, my, ability, my, my evangelism? Do I want 2022 to be defined by the joy I have despite everything going on in the world? And we just have to seek it. And, and again, I wish I could give you, like, a, a, here are the five steps, the application to how you can achieve this. You need to read your Bible and pray and go to church and evangelize your nearest neighbor and pick a small group. That's a to-do list. <laughs> and that's I just gave you, like, how to do it. That's Check all those off and you've accomplished. The application is really, like, just me begging you, <laughs> imploring you, find a principle, find a virtue in this list or another, And pursue it in all things. Ask the question, man. I want to pursue love, Jesus. How do I do that better in this situation? In all things, in word and deed, I want to do it for Christ and the love that Christ has for me and this person. How do I do this situation? And let me tell you, it's not easy. Like this isn't going to be one of those things where it's like I'm going to be joyful. I'm going to seek joy. Uh, I my wife said that her, we kind of talked about this last night and she just gave this to me for free. Uh, She wants to seek out transparency. She wants to be more transparent and honest with people. I love that. And she said, but you know, it's scary because like you open yourself up to way more hurt. There's way more opportunity to be burned by that. And that's the reality of this. This is like, as we seek these things out, it's not an easy path. There's going to be times where we have to seek out love and we're just gritting our teeth because all we want to do is scream. There's going to be times where we're seeking out compassion and man, we don't want to seek out compassion when, when we're asked for more money or we're asked for something. And I wish this was a verse that was like write it on the wall or like uh, Romans 8, 37. We're more than conquerors. Or like Philippians 4. you know, We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Those are like those are run through brick wall verses, right? Those are those are locker room verses, Gatorade commercial verses. Those are verses that you remember cuz you're like, yeah, I'm going to go do this thing. But the reality of the church and the reality of faith is it's a little less high octane. We are more than conquerors and we can do all things, but the things are being compassionate when we're poor, being meek when we have strength being humble when we're being praised, showing love in the darkest times. And those are the things that we have to do, the virtues we have to seek out. And when we do that, we transform not only our own hearts, but those nearest to us, those within our church, online church, everywhere we go, we leave footprints, because we've put on this new self, this new creation that goes, I'm not checking the box anymore. I'm going to seek something out that's greater than myself. And so let's make 2022 our year, not by accomplishing something, some to-do list or checklist, but by seeking out a mission for our church, for our own selves, and seeking out those virtues and living them out in every and all situations, doing all things in word and deed for Christ, giving thanks to God through him. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much. Um, you, you died for us. I mean... Not a lot of uh, faith practices, not a lot of uh, religions can say that they have a God willing to become less so that we can be made more. And so, God, as we go through 2022 with the rough last couple years, whether it's rougher, <laughs> there's deeper valleys, or we find higher mountains than we ever have before, God, help us to seek out things above us. Help us to seek out virtues principles and set a mission in our lives and our church that are worthy of the calling you have given us. Lord, help us in word and deed do all things for you. God, we love you and we thank you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen.